Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm ready for a break. Hey, we've really been we've really been following the story of the last month or couple of weeks, last week of Jesus' life. How many of you um, how many of you were here Friday night and watched Jesus? That was awesome, wasn't it? It was so cool. I really enjoyed that. And it was, again, it was so awesome to uh, see that live streamed. And we were with all the other nations going on, and they were all we were all watching it at the same time. The story of Jesus from his birth to the end and to the new beginning. So I just, there's so much that can be said on Sundays. And uh, pastors know that most of people are really not listening to you on Resurrection Sunday. Because everybody has plans. Really, they're not. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I went to church. We're all excited. We're joyous. We're getting together with family. Even now, in the midst, COVID is opening up, and people are gathering today safely, safely, safely. But, you know, we're gathering. We're coming together. And um, so we're excited about that. But I hope you listen to this because, and pay attention, because, you know, he is risen. And that's what every one of us would say in this room. He's risen. And that has truth on many levels. He is, he is risen. So what do you think Jesus' first words were when he rose from the dead? We, we didn't see him saying any words in the, in the program we saw Friday night. Or in some of the things. We don't hear him saying anything. But think about it. This is real life. Jesus has been in the grave. He's been in the, in the cave for three days. And he's risen. Somebody's going to talk. Somebody's going to say. What, what would he be saying? I think it would be, so this is my idea. <laughs> Where is everybody? Where is everybody? He walked out of there and nobody was around. Come on. It's like, where is everybody? I told him this was going to happen. Right? Didn't he? Over and over again. Every different way. Every possible way. I'm going to rise on the third day. I think that's what he would have said. Where is everybody? But... Uh, there was no one there. The disciples weren't around. Nobody was around when he rose. The first ones to appear on the scene is who? A group of women. Uh, different gospels record it. Mary Magdalene alone, uh, or some of the gospels recorded, but there's another in Mark. It talks about Mary. Uh, you know, there were so many Marys in the Bible, and we've tried to learn who is who. But Mary Magdalene and the other Mary that had two sons that they all hung out, they loved Jesus, they went to the grave, they headed over. They had stayed back late when Jesus was taken down from the cross. You know, when he was taken, they went to see where he was going to be uh, buried, where Joseph was taking him. And so they were there, they had to spend the Sabbath, you know, they couldn't go anywhere that day. And as soon as they could, when the sun but probably before the sun even rose. They got up early. They had the anointment. They wanted to go by cover of dark. They were still afraid. They didn't know what was going on there. And they're walking in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 16, 1 through 20. It talks about they're conversing with themselves. But they are not, let me tell you, they're bringing ointment with them. They're going to finish the fast job that was done on the, on the day that Jesus died. And they're going to try and do it right. And they're talking. Mark tells us they were conversing. Because he wasn't there. These girls had to tell the story, right? They had to tell him, this is what we were talking about. I want to bring it home to you. These are just not words on a page. These are real people, just like you and me. And so they were walking. And what they're thinking, Mark tells us, is they're thinking about how are we going to roll that stone away? We saw the stone. It's huge. We've seen stones. We've been to Israel. We've seen some of these gravestones. They're huge granite or rock-like formation stones. I mean, they're you know, two feet thick. They're, you know, in some cases, 10 feet tall. 
That's some heavy stone, even if it's round. And these stones are round, so they could roll them. And they made little grooves to kind of make it easy for them to do. But easy meaning, you know, three, four, five, six men trying to push the stone in the right direction. It's got to be to seal the grave. And that's what they're thinking. How are we going to move this stone? That would be what Deb and I would be doing. We'd be going, I'd be going, Deb, I don't know. You've got the stuff right. Um, if you see anybody, this is our plan. You know, we could hide over here. We could run here, whatever, but let's go. You know, keep your face covered. They won't recognize us. Let's go check it out. But how in the heck are we going to move that stone? And you know what, people? We've got some stones in our own life, don't we? Come on. We've got some big stones. Some of us have some gigantic stones that we're thinking, how are we ever going to get this stinking stone moved? But amen, he's risen, and he's here. For those of us who know him, he's the, he's the one that rolls back the stones. He's not, he knows how to do it. So they get there. They get there, and Jesus isn't there because he's been up and he's wandering around wherever he is at that time, and they don't see him. And you read the stories, and you read the Gospels, and there's different versions of it, but angels were there to say, you know, you're looking. Then Mary Magdalene, at one point, um, she sees a gardener and thinks it's, she sees someone and she thinks it's the gardener and Christ reveals himself to her. But nobody at that point, you know, after all the time he told them, was really expecting him to be raised from the dead. They were in total shock from what they just saw. Come on. Some of them had been around for the, re the Lazarus resurrection. But Jesus raised him from the dead after four days. Who is around that's going to raise Jesus from the dead? I would imagine that Mary and Martha were really thinking about that because it wasn't, it was just a couple of weeks before that they had the one-on-one -on -one conversations. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But he's telling them over and over, do you remember, Martha? I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I mean, maybe they toyed with that. But we hear that it was Mary Magdalene and her other friend Mary that got there first. So in Mark uh, verses 11 through 14, Mark, in just those few verse, uh, verses, he says, okay, let's just go there and read it, actually. Uh, let's go to Mark chapter 16. Um, we'll read these. Got a lot of word here today because there's a lot of fake news going on. There's a lot of fake news in our world today. Anybody know what fake news is? It's the news of the day that isn't truth, that isn't the truth. It's a, it's a narrative, it's propaganda, it's call it whatever you want, but it isn't truth based on God, who is absolute truth. Okay? We all know that. Well, it was the same in Jesus' day. We aren't, this generation isn't the first generation to experience fake news. And I want us to study that. Because some of us are saying, is this real? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to believe it. Did he raise from the dead? Is he risen from the dead or not? It's really critical. It's critical to our life. Do we believe it or not? Is it real? So let's go to uh, chapter 16 of Mark, and I'm going to drop down to verses 11 through 14. And this is after Mary and Mary ran. They were trembling. They were terrified. An angel had just appeared to them. They were like, what the heck is going on? They didn't know what to believe. The tomb was empty. The, the stone was rolled back. Some of them didn't know, did somebody come and steal his body? Did the Pharisees come and take his body somewhere? What did they do? They were just, their minds were crazy, but um, the angel just spoke to them. I mean, an angel. It's like, whoa, 
And so it says, uh, in verse 9, let's start there. Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Okay, one other thing. I just want to interject right now. I'm talking Mary, and many think Mary was from the town of Magdalene. That's Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdalene. Her last name wasn't Magdalene. It was Mary of Magdalene. And Magdalene was a town where there were a lot of prostitutes and a lot of stuff going on. And that's where she was born. There's nowhere in any scripture that it tells us she was a prostitute. I just want to, we're talking about fake news. That didn't show up until the writings till about 300 years later in some Catholic traditions, okay? Those were verbal traditions. But no, you can read your Bible. You can read about her. Now, where does it tell you that she was a prostitute? We've adopted that idea because of traditions of men telling us that. It is possible because she was from that town. It is possible because she was demonized. She had seven spirits in her that Jesus had cast out. But I'm talking about in the greater plan of God, how is it that the disciples and out of all the hundreds and thousands of people that followed Jesus, it was Mary of Magdalene who had a reputation one way or another. If you've got seven spirits in you that need to be cast out, you're going to have some kind of a reputation. Okay? How is it that she's the first one that he appears to? And I just want to tell you, it's because he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't. He cares about the now moment with him and the future he has planned for you. Is that awesome? Let alone it was a woman that he appeared to. Nothing girl says. It's a little something we get out of this. Okay. All right. So, but in verses, uh, so let's get back here. So, uh, verse 10. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. Okay, the disciples and all the guys, everybody was hiding. They were staying over there in that upper room place where they could all gather together, and they were in hiding. And in verse 11, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, what does your Bible say? They refused to believe it. They refused to believe it. It's pretty unbelievable. But two weeks before, they knew that Lazarus had come out of the grave after four days. I mean, their heads are in shock. Think about what they were thinking. Think about what you would be. We're not putting all the blame on them. But then he goes on to say, and after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. in the country. That was the two guys that were on the road to Emmaus. That's another story. And he appears to them, and, they don't, and they're talking, and, and they're on this road traveling, and it's not until they arrive at an inn, you know, he's teaching them why, you know, why are they surprised that all this has happened? takes him through the word, and then he reveals himself, and then he just disappears. I'm thinking that's cool. Because when I get my resurrected body, I might just show up at your doorstep or something and then disappear. I don't know. I think it's kind of fun. You know, blow people's minds. All right. Uh, get rid of the unbelief there. So it says in verse 11, and when they heard that he was alive and he had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. And verse 12, and after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way in the country. And they went away and reported it to the others. That means, remember, they turned around, they went back to where they were. Underline this. But they did not believe them either. Now you've got two witnesses. You've got three. You've got Mary and Mary, and you've got the two guys on the road to Emmaus, and they've come back to the disciples, and they're telling them what they've just experienced. And they're telling them, our hearts burned with passion. And when, we, when he revealed himself to us that, that we could know who it was, we were blinded. And then he let us know. We wondered why were our hearts burning with passion that whole time we were on the road with this dude. Sky. 
You're amazed. He didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> I love that. Jesus has a great sense of humor. And afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. And Jesus, he approached them for their unbelief. He reproached them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they had not believed. So in these four short scriptures, Mark points out they were not, they didn't believe that he was alive. Come on. They didn't believe the report. That's why going out and evangelizing, you know, you can run into people today that are like, you guys are cuckoo and crazy. You guys are cray-cray, okay? We don't know what you're, you know, but it, this is not real. But go ahead and believe it if you want to. It's America, right? Uh, so I just want to say all that is important because it's really the disciples were not any different than we are. They're not so different. Amen? Um, most didn't come to a vibrant revelation of resurrection and he is risen on Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday that day just because it was on the calendar. And it's no different for us. It's no different for us. He is. And I just want to say that the belief that Jesus Christ is alive today is real. It is the most powerful belief in the world if you believe it in your heart and it manifests because it's rock solid nobody can take it from you nobody can change your mind nothing is gonna change your mind because you have encountered you have seen him you have seen him at work in your life if you have asked him to come into your life Something has happened, and you have reconciled the past and all the tragedies and the mess that it was, and he begins to unfold his plan and why you went through that season. And some of it, in my case, is pretty unbelievable. I wouldn't be writing a story for somebody to experience that. At the same time today, I wouldn't have changed a thing. It's made me who I am. And I guess for me, it had to take that much tragedy and heartache to produce and bear the fruit of compassion for everyone and anybody. No respecter of persons. He loves us all right the way we are. I love that about my Jesus. So the disciples didn't start up believing it either. And they came to that faith, they came to it in stages. We heard many people had to come and tell them, and then he had to appear to them. So when you believe in Christ, it gives us a hope, doesn't it? It gives us a hope that stands in the midst of every crisis, every situation in our life. Come on. And when we waver, every... Every disappointment, every fear. You know, sometimes we face things that are, we face giants. We face giant stones that don't look like they're moving. We've got to, to get set free from them. But whenever we're defeated, um, you know, somehow the enemy has stolen that revelation and that, that belief. He's trying to erode that belief that God doesn't care. He isn't here. Uh, he's always saying, where is Jesus when you need him? That's pretty much what Martha and Mary were saying. Where's Jesus when you need him? He's not here. I'm facing this alone. And we go through those things in our lives. Amen? But, um, you know, some people say, yeah. I go, do you believe Jesus rose from the grave? He's risen from the dead? They go, yeah, I, I believe that. But there's a big difference between that kind of ideology or idea and that heart belief that we've come to know. And I came to know those in some of the greatest despairing moments of my life. I had to reconcile that. Either he isn't real 
where he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and I'm going to come through. I'm going to get out of this grave. He's going to roll the stone back, and I'm going to be set free. I had to determine that in those most difficult times. So I want to read to you from the book of Acts. If some of you are turning with me, otherwise I will read to you. I want to give you some proofs. I want to give you some proofs that are written in here. Some people say, oh, that was just written by a bunch of this and a bunch of that. Nobody really witnessed that. Well, this is what these books are written on. These are four guys that wrote the Gospels. They wrote them so you know what their experience was. It was like, if I write a book about my life experience, that I'm the witness to what I experienced. I'm telling you what happened. And this is what these guys wrote for us. So these are just four of them. And they're telling you about everybody else that was involved. So we come to the book of Acts, and I want to read you the scripture. Is, is the resurrection fable or fact? Is it fake news or is it real? Is it the truth? So Acts uh, chapter 1, uh, he's uh, talking to us and he's saying, you know, this is the first account that I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. And in verse 3 he says, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. He was with them for 40 days after the resurrection. That's over a month. Okay? That's from now till late May. Okay? That's how long he was with them. And speaking of things concerning the kingdom, he was teaching them about the kingdom of God during that time. And gathering them together, you know, he told them not to um, leave Jerusalem, but I don't want to go there. The main thing is these were the proofs, and he's again telling the story. Um, These are not, uh, you know, these are not stories. But let's let's go back to Matthew 27. Um, They talk about what happened. There were lots of there was lots of fake news going on during that time. In chapter 27, uh, verses uh, 66, 63 through 66, listen to this. If you don't think the Pharisees and the Sadducees, after they had just gotten Jesus crucified, put in the grave, what was their greatest fear? Their greatest fear is that he would rise from the dead or that his followers would take the body, do something to it, and people would think that he had risen from the dead. They didn't want this going around. They wanted to stamp out his memory once and for all and end and make sure that this never happened. So in verse um, 60, uh, the, the Pharisees and the chief priests, they were all gathered together. And now on the verse 62, Now on the next day, which is the one after the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. They went to the governor, Pilate, and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I am going to rise again. Well, you know, the disciples may have forgotten about it, but these guys didn't. How weird is that? How how that truth landed on people. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples come and steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. So Pilate said to them, you have a guard. They had the temple guard. He wasn't going to send his soldiers. They sent the temple guard. You guys go guard the tomb. I'm not taking, I I didn't want to do this in the first place. This was all your idea. I washed my hands of this. Don't come crying back to me. Send over the temple guards and make sure and guard the thing yourself. You make sure. This is your problem, not mine. That's what he said in so many words, okay? That's Kathy paraphrasing here. And Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go make it secure as you know how. 
And so they went and they made the grave secure along with the guard they set a seal on the stone. So they sealed it so that they could prove that it had not been moved. They sealed it. They sealed the stone. So what I want to say is out there in the day of Jesus rising, there was the no burial theory going on. That he wasn't there. Next, Matthew 28, 12 through 13. Uh, let's go turn back, or turn forward to Matthew 28, 13. I hope you, if you didn't know all these proofs were in here, now you do. And when they had assembled with the elders and counseled together, so this is the, the bribery of the soldiers. Okay, let's just start at verse 11 in chapter 28. Now, while they were on their way, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. Because what had happened is when Jesus rose from the dead, that tomb blasted open, and whatever dunamis resurrection power blasted and rolled that stone, and these guys are in front of it, and that thing is happening so I don't know, it, it doesn't tell us, did angels arrive? We don't know, but that, roll, that stone was rolling, and those guys were terrified, and they were like quaking, and the power of God, and the, if Mary and them were trembling and afraid at the empty grave, imagine what these guards were experiencing when that thing blew open. Huh? I bet the earth was quaking. I don't know. It's kind of like Sean's story when he blew the trumpet, when he blew the shofar. Thunder happened. Who knows what happened? There had been earthquakes and every other weird phenomena happening since the crucifixion. Amen? So we go here. And now where they were on the way, they, they went to the chief priests and they reported all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and counseled together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. Did you guys know that? They tried to buy him off. And they said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while, while you were asleep. But we weren't asleep. We were all there. We were awake the whole time. We took rounds. We were there. We'd been there for three days. Nobody was asleep. We didn't fall asleep. We saw this. We heard this happen. But no, we're giving you this money because you are going to tell this story. Some more fake news. Huh? Yeah. You are to say... His disciples came by night and stole away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we don't want Pilate to hear this, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and they did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. There are naysayers today that tell you this didn't happen. They came and they stole the body and they did this and they did that. But the truth is we know the truth. We have an eyewitness in Matthew who told us what happened. This is an eyewitness account. So Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Here we go. Verse. Now, this is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul wasn't there when they all saw him. But you guys remember, Paul appeared to, uh, Jesus appeared to him after he'd already risen. Amen? This is, this is a while later. Jesus appeared to him on the road, knocked him off his horse. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus revealed himself to him. 
It was another sighting after Jesus had already gone to heaven. That should give you hope that you might have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ in the same way. I know many people who have, and they didn't die and go to heaven. Jesus walked into their rooms. Again, that's their story, and that's their witness. Nobody will ever take that away from them. Nobody will ever take that away, no matter what people say. And that's why Christianity has gone on and on and on for millennia, centuries, millennia. People have died for this because Jesus has revealed himself. He said, if you believe me, my Father and I will manifest ourselves to you and make it clear, perfectly clear, so you know who he is. Amen. And when you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. So I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, this is Paul, and I'm going to start with verse 1. And he's saying, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, and by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And the scriptures he's referring to are the five books of Moses that were written hundreds of years before this happened. These were prophetic words that God spoke to men, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he caused them to write it down. And so when we hear the Bethlehem story and the Magi coming to see Christ and the stars, all of these were prophetic words that the prophets of old had written. And these things were manifest. It was prophesied he would be beaten. <laughs> it was prophesied he would be bruised for your sake. It was prophesied that by his stripes that he received, that you would be healed. Not only that he would become salvation and the light of the world, and the truth, and to set people free, and to pay the price for your sin. All these things were prophesied, and this is what Paul is talking about. He's talking about those scriptures, those holy writings. Amazing. I want to I interject here. This, this is the Holy Spirit's reminding me right at this moment. Um, there's some books called Theomatics. And um, there's some real brainiacs. I'm, I'm not a numbers person. You know, I, 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 my brain doesn't work that way. Lonnie is. Lonnie's the number man. But there are, it's called Theomatics. It's about the math. Every Hebrew and Greek letter in these texts have number values. And way before computers, there were men, there was a man who went through and numbered scriptures. And he has found out, it's still, you can get these books online. I have them. It's quite amazing. Any book, you know, the books that we have in here, there are other books that they did not put together in what we know as the Holy Bible. There were other books and writings. But when the mathematics and the theomatics is applied to those other scriptures, it doesn't add up to certain equations that all of these scriptures add up to. It comes up to certain numbers and values. Like, it's amazing. 
And I thought, how awesome is it that these other books, when they tried to apply the same system, the same math to them, I mean, these are like in the zillions. Like, the chances of it happening are in the zillions. I don't even know what a zillion is. If I had $10,000 right now, I, I can get that. <laughs> but a zillion, I, I can't relate to that. But that's the chances of this. It's mathematical. It's actual science that God incorporated this in the written word and that those letters had numerical values to them and the Greek ones too. And when applied to these other books, they don't have the same system. So those, and that was before these people chose it. It was by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God moves in your life when you receive Christ and you receive the baptism of the Spirit. And he comes and lives, and it's no longer just intuition. You know, before I got saved, I thought it was this gut thing. Oh, I've got this feeling in my gut. And sometimes we talk about it in that way. But now I understand it was the intuitive knowing of the Holy Spirit giving me a witness inside of me. This isn't good. This isn't right. And I'm talking beyond your conscience that God created you with. You know, even as kids, there was stuff that you did, you knew it wasn't right. Come on. You knew uh, getting in the cookie jar wasn't the right thing to do without asking. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it was, there were things. That's what the conscience is. But I'm talking beyond the conscience that God has created mankind with to that inner witness, that intuitive knowing that he is. And that's what led these people to write these scriptures. And verse 5, and what appeared, and that, let's see, um, and he raised him on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then he appeared to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. I just want you to underline that. It wasn't just a handful of people. Because if you haven't read this scripture, this is where he tells us. And that's what the other apostles had told him as they're sitting down. They just didn't recount. It says in this book that if everything that Jesus ever did, there would be no, they couldn't write a big enough book about everything that happened. But I want to read that. After he appeared to, after that, after he appeared to them, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep, meaning they died. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as it were, to one untimely born. He appeared to me, is what Paul said. Did 500 people have the same hallucination at the same time? Because that's another theory that everybody that saw Jesus was hallucinating. They were on drugs or something out during that three days while they were waiting to ease their pain. They were hallucinating. Have we ever heard of a 500-person hallucination all at the same time? No. I'm just telling you, fake news. Some call it he had a spiritual resurrection. Well, I'm sure it was spiritual, <laughs> but it was also physical. So we have these five undeniable facts. Okay? One, the stone was rolled away. Two, the tomb was empty. Three, the church was formed, because in Matthew 16, 18, the church was formed during this time, came out of his side upon this rock. After, after he'd seen them and he appeared to them, he went to Peter. Peter was distressed. He's the one that said, I'm not going to turn against you, but he did three times. He was messed up. Man, you got to face Jesus after that? I'll be there. I'll chop up his hair. I'll do this. 
I'm to the end, and then he runs, and then he denies him. It's our human frailty and our weaknesses, but Jesus knows our every weakness. He knows our every temptation. And Jesus comes and has compassion on Peter, and he really sits close to him, and he says, hey, no, do you love me? That's what he says to Peter. He doesn't say, why, why did you do that? I told you so. You're not as smart as you think you are. No, he says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Yes, I love you. And feed my, feed my sheep. And then he asks him again, do you, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. And he's asking him, who do, you, who do you say that I am? I say that you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. And on that rock of revelation that Peter had, he says, I'm building my church on this. And the plans for church is not this building. You are the church. You, you are church wherever you go. When you're a living, walking, talking church, if he lives in you, and the altar, you've sacrificed your life on the altar in your heart. We have all these eyewitness accounts. We haven't read them all, and that's a witness. But most of all, the truth is he lives in my heart, and that's my witness. He's changed my life. He's changed your life. Amen? There's nothing more. You know, during Jesus' time, I'm, I'm closing now, he said to pick up your cross. <laughs> Most of us would fit on that one. He said, pick up your cross daily. What did that mean? Some people take these crosses and they carry them all over the world. And they do it for various reasons. But that doesn't mean that I'm supposed to have a custom-made cross that I pick up and carry around with me every day. It is a spiritual thing. He meant it so you could die to yourself. Because when he hung on that one, that's what he did. And he showed us the way to do that. But if that's all I ever do, you know, when I got that revelation of dying to my self-life and to my will, it's kind of what Jesus went through in the garden there, where he said, Father, if this cup can pass, this, if there's any way this cup can pass for me, if there's any other way we can do this and save the world, <laughs> then let's do it. But, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He, he defeated before he ever, he made that decision before he ever got on the cross. You understand? He died completely to himself and to any humanity, and any will to live and survive and to avoid that kind of pain in his body. Kids, he was real. He was 100% man of faith. He was a little boy. He ran. He, he fell. He, he, he bled when he scraped his knee. You know? He's a real person. But what I want you to get is this. I want to get what Paul was talking about here. But by the grace of God, verse 10, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove in vain. I labored even more than all of the apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. But in verse 17 he says, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. I just want to say that when I'm 
dying to myself. And many of you have experienced what I'm talking about. You've been in situations where God wanted you to do something and you just weren't sure you could do this. He always calls you to impossible, the impossible. So you can't do it on your own. So that he's there to assist you in it. But in the times that I'm dying to myself, I have to make it to a resurrection moment. I can't just be dying all the time, or, or we, would, we would lose hope. Because in the resurrection, we have hope. And so we go through seasons, and we go through daily times when we carry our own cross, and we die to ourselves. But I have to link the two. I've got to link the two. Not only in the power of death to myself and the old life that I am and coming into the new life that he has for me, but I have to relate it and I've got to hook it up to the power of the resurrection and the hope of it and the glory because he's here to reveal himself in you and you're going from glory to glory. And we call it stages of belief and stages of growth in your faith. But you're going from glory to glory in resurrection moments. Because when you're on the cross, you've got to be in hope for that resurrection moment. He had to know what was, he already knew what was going to happen in three days. He just had to get through this. And so when you're on the cross that he told you to pick up daily, and you're experiencing that fire and that loss of letting something go, that Christ is, this is enough, you come to the moment where, like he said, it is finished. It is finished. It doesn't mean it's the end because we tend to go through these moments again, but there means resurrection is coming in your life and in mine. And so that's why I wanted to tell you, is it fake news or is it real good news? It is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I come to you bearing witness. I've walked with him for years. Yes, I've stumbled. I've fallen. I've messed up. But then he's used me, and I've been amazed. And I know it was nothing about myself. Absolutely nothing. How can anything good come out of where I've been? But I see him in his resurrected glory. And he manages, and I've seen him in your lives. I see you in your hands that you're touching the poor. And you come over here and you work every week hard and you pack those boxes of food to feed people that are hungry and needing. And Jesus said, if you've done it to one of these little ones, if you gave them a drink of water, if you visited them in prison, if you prayed for them, if you said a word or a smile or a kind word in line at Walmart, whatever it was that you did, you did it as unto him. This is you. This is every day we live. These are the ways we just live. People may look like, why do you do that? I don't know. I, I really wasn't thinking about it. It's just what I do. You know? And he comes and he lives in us. So I'm here to tell you, and so you can go out and you know where to find all these witnesses in the Bible. And there's more, but we're going to stop here right now. He is risen, and he is alive forevermore. And if you guys haven't seen him, get ready. Why not say, why not me? I would have never hoped to have seen it, but I have seen him. I have seen him, and he is alive. And I am so excited. And I see him in you and everyone else. Yes, come on, Pastor. So we bless you on this Easter Sunday. Bless your family. Amen. I just want to encourage you because the Lord has been very uh, faithful in these last weeks to draw you a personal picture of what was taking place in the scriptures that were written concerning that time period. Sean has said it's the same story, different people, 
in a different time, but it's the same story. And so I'm just asking you, it could be so easy for us to look at today and say, okay, Easter or Passover is over, okay, and we can be to those two young men on the road to Emmaus and say, oh, well, let's just move on. But I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to go back to what we spoke about last year, even at Passover, and the things that have been taking place that God has been introducing to us and asking us to do. And that will be mindful to watch. What if? What if things are not as they appear? Come on, and I just got to shake you with this because, see, we can get subtly into saying, okay, boy, we can now take some pictures in front of the cross and we've got our pretty clothes on and stuff and I can send the family the pictures of what we've done on Easter and all those fun things and we can go and have some ham. But I just want to tell you how crucial this year is and how this time right now that we're in, your life presently in the Scriptures. There's a reason why that the Lord has just taken us through that time of prior to the cross and to the cross and to the resurrection. Because I just want to bring you back to the thought. I want you to enjoy today. I want you to carry what has been written upon your heart this morning. Because if you didn't know the story, the living story, now you have that. Because you've got your own personal story. But in turn now, when you walk this day out, and I just want to go back to, and I just, I'm hoping this will ring in your ears. What if, what if the same thing took place could take place tomorrow as it did 2,000 years ago when those disciples woke up the next day and their world had changed. I can't say this enough because I don't want us to not recognize the day that we're in. And just what if tomorrow morning you and I woke up and our world was different? Is knowing Him, having relationship with those that know Him, those people that you trust and you can count on, are going to be essential. Because those disciples knew who they could trust. Because they knew their life was on the line. They knew that the things that were before had all changed up. They also had that 40 days with Jesus. What did He teach them? Things concerning the kingdom. He opened up their eyes. They were able to see beyond just that which they had read about and even what they had presently experienced. And so I just want to encourage you. I don't know how else to say this. Husbands and wives, take time out with one another. Just ponder today and enjoy the reflection of all the things that have both been spoken, the opportunity of the relationships, just look around again, the faces of the people that are part of your life and those that you'll be 